Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Bethan. And welcome to episode five of Seeing Red. We are finally moving away from the J theme that we've had in the previous four episodes because Bethan's case today features somebody with a first initial of A. Exciting times. So we're going to go through the alphabet now. We are not going to go through the alphabet. That is not the plan. Don't okay. listen to Mark. So today's case that I'm going to tell you about is one that spans almost a decade. It begins with a Ford robbery in 1998 and it ends with the brutal murder of a young man in 2006. It wasn't a case that I'd even heard of um, until my other half was told about this from a colleague Mm. who was interested because we were doing a podcast and sort of said, oh, have you heard of this case? Um, So he suggested that we look into it. Interesting. Mm. Family feuds, lies, deceit, affairs, and even SAS-style games. It's got the lot. This case has it all. It even happened over Christmas time, so just like everyone's favourite movie. We should have saved this for Christmas then. No. Okay. You don't want to be listening. So to just like Love Actually or Not Love Actually. What's everyone's favourite movie? I don't know. No, it's not your favourite movie. My favourite movie's Die Hard. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Well that went down like a lead yeah. Anyway. So we begin the story in nineteen ninety eight when eighteen year old Mark Bajan returned home to his brother and his stepbrother one evening. Bragging about his night out, he told them that he'd been part of an attempted robbery at a post office. Andrew, his stepbrother, was not really that impressed. Mm. He was a really good guy, he had a strong moral compass, and he went straight to the police to tell them about this foiled crime that he'd heard about. This led to Mark serving four and a half years in a young offenders unit for the attempted robbery. And needless to say, he was not happy about this. Would you grass up a sibling? I wouldn't. I don't know. Depends on what my sisters did. Not for robbery. Murder, also, perhaps. it was a foiled robbery as well. It didn't even go out. And he got four and a half years. Four and a half years. I don't think he... I, I get the impression he was a bit of a naughty boy. Okay, you love naughty boys. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't? Get that in in every episode, yeah. don't you? So, Mark's resentment of his stepbrother simmered, and he was reported while he was in to sort of make threats against Andrew while he was inside, and even after he got released, he mentioned this quite often. Mark's brother James also hated Andrew, and the two of them would discuss for hours about hating him. They just talked about mm. the ages. Linda, their mum, had ill health, and the brothers actually blamed Andrew for this when they were adults. So that makes think, sense. Yeah. The stress of that situation in. Well, even not even that. They said because Linda had taken on Andrew's three children, she had, in inverted commas, been burdened with them. Mm. So this had contributed to her illnesses. They said because Andrew and his wife Linda were terrible parents, the kids had been taken off them and given to the mum. I wasn't able to actually find out any, like, the truth of what happened with the children, but basically Linda did take them on. Mark and James, like, they just loved their mum unconditionally, and they knew that if they did anything to Andrew, it would break her. So they put up with this guy that they really, really hated, that stemmed all the way back from, you know, five, six years ago, and just continued on as they should. But then Linda developed cancer and the brothers, like, that just really added to the hatred that they had of Andrew. Mark and James were obsessed with the army and the SAS and they would often go camping in the woods and play army games. Sad. Yeah, they're like proper adults by this point, which is a bit weird. They'd sit around the campfire on their weekends away and they would plot about getting rid of Andrew. God, just get on with it. (laughs) Been talking about it for years. (laughs) So they um, would sit around the campfire, they basically like just have all these ideas and think about what they could and couldn't do. And 
At the trial, the prosecution, Timothy, Timothy Spence Cusey, he stated, we suggest that the only thing that prevented the hatred for Andrew Scanlon being turned into action was the fact that Linda, Linda Bajan was alive and it would be known by these two that their mother would not approve of any harm coming the way of Andrew Scanlon at their hands. So really, the prosecution were basically saying, if it wasn't for their mum, they would have done something a lot sooner, mm. which is just really horrible. And a close friend of James described a conversation that they'd had just weeks before Andrew died, where James has said, once mum dies, he's not family anymore and the rules change. And sadly, they soon had their chance because Linda passed away on the 18th of October, 2006. And from that point on, Andrew's days were just numbered. Mm. The animosity increased. Andrew was banned from attending Linda's funeral. He was just generally like shunned from the family circle. So he was told by Mark, the brother, he literally went to Andrew's home and he was like, do not even come to the funeral. You're not welcome at all. It seems really sad for Andrew because this was his family. I know they're his stepbrothers, but it's his mm. family. He, he was brought up, up with that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he was just separated from them. And I imagine, like, you can't grieve properly if you're unable to go to the funeral. I would think so, yeah. Yeah. Mark and James worked really fast on their plans. So they enlisted the help of a friend called Jeff Woods. He was a martial arts expert and a tree surgeon. He often... So did he, like, kick trees down... Like with his mum. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, he was a martial arts tree surgeon. Amazing. Yeah. USP. Definitely. Can you imagine there's like you call someone around to come get some trees down and they start him? Incredible. Mm -hmm. No, he was the sort of basically a bit of a twat as well because he'd join them on their army game weekends. Twat. I mean, what if we've got listeners who like to go do army games and they're like... Oh, I don't know, I just think, why would you do it when you're an adult? When you're like you were 30 a kid, years old. When you were a child, it's the mm -hmm. sort of thing you would do. You'd go out camping and do all that kind of crazy shit and pretend. Yeah. But when you're an adult, you need to just be living a life that's a bit more fulfilling to stop you having to do that kind of wank stuff. <laughs> or, or do a true crime podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so, a bit of an aside with this, something that I thought was quite funny was Jeff Woods was having an affair with James's wife. So, who's Jeff? So, James and Mark are the brothers yeah. who want to get rid of their stepbrother Andrew, and they enlist the help of their friend Jeff, and Jeff is doing James's wife. Oh, fuck. So, her name's Charlotte, and basically, um, people have said afterwards that she was bragging about having an affair with him at a party there was like a birthday thing that was going on and it was all girls but then he turned up she was showing off like sexy text messages and pictures so, yeah naughty girl as well yeah so um i haven't been able to find out if james knew about this affair or not but either way the three men started hatching a plan to get rid of andrew so literally a month after linda's death Mark contacted Andrew under the pretense of sorting out Linda's will. So Andrew's girlfriend, Louise, said he was told there's like some sort of money is involved and there's money available to you. So they needed him to come to Dorset with them to sort out some parts of the will. And James basically travelled to Peterborough from his home in Surrey with his two daughters and picked up Mark on the way. And he'd taken the daughters with him. So it was like clearly, oh, it's just a family get together. Yeah, not feeling threatened. Yeah. yeah. Um... Then they collected Andrew and said, like, right, we're off to Dorset, come with us. 
James then sent a text to me uh, message to Charlotte, his wife, which literally said, we've got him. They dropped the girls off and then off they went to pick up Jeff, as in the third one of the three. Yeah. So according to reports, Andrew became really nervous on the drive. Not surprised. Yeah, quite rightly so. Um, Mark was trying to calm him down and saying like, don't worry, James's mate just wants to talk to you. I'll keep you safe. But no. He knew they hated him anyway. Yeah, exactly. And then he's, they dropped the girls off. So he's just in a car with these two. And they Thinking I'm being, I'm being led somewhere now. Yeah. Um, it was close to midnight as well. So clearly they're not going to Dorset to deal with a will. No. They picked him up, I think it was at like half ten or something. So that was the last time he was seen. So it's, it's late. Everything's not, always worse than the dark. Not solicitors at midnight. No. Ridiculous. And then they start driving towards a local forest. Yeah. Fuck. Um, somebody in the car, so I don't know who, but somebody handcuffed Andrew and they basically dragged him out of the car and into the trees. This is all, so the evidence we now have is from people who've said what they said had happened. So we don't know for definite exactly what happened, but basically they were stabbing and beating Andrew while he pleaded for his life. They used a baseball bat to hit him. According to the court records, he was on his knees pleading for his life in his last moments. He begged the men, like, please spare me and think of my children, because he was a father of three and obviously they were the ones who were living with Linda at this point. Um, but it just gone too far, and ultimately Mark broke Andrew's neck. Fuck. So some reports say that he um, like choked him, mm. or some reports say that he like beat him and, and broke his neck. But he either way, with a baseball bat on the and neck, and, that neck. Yeah. Yeah. and I suppose if you break your neck, that could be also seen as suffocating because you're not going to be able to breathe. Yeah. So I don't know for definite, but basically so this was a fucking happened. brutal attack. Absolutely brutal, and they all knew what was going. This yeah. isn't, you know, this isn't anything else than murdering this guy. To so have handcuffs with you when you're going yeah. out, you know what you're... Exactly. What, how it's going to end. Exactly. So they then buried his body in a shallow grave and left. Because that's the, never going to get found, is it? Well, shallow grave in a forest. You just wait. So one okay. of the groups sent a text message from Andrew's phone pretending to be him. And they basically said, mates have dropped me off in London, I'll call in the next few days. Was that normal behaviour for him? Would he just disappear? For days I don't and then maybe know. He I don't done. know. I think it wasn't normal because his girlfriend did report him missing and okay. that sort of thing. But also, he's a man. He's an adult. Could have gone on a bender or something. Yeah. So they sent this text message. Done. But then I believe it's Charlotte who came up with this idea. I can't say Charlotte that. Again. Charlotte's the naughty wife. Yeah. Married to James, Diddling Jeff. Yeah. She, it's, some reports have said she had the ideas and she shared the ideas. Some of the reports have said not necessarily, but basically James and Jeff went and got one of Jeff's axes because he's a tree surgeon. Yeah. They returned to the body and in what has been described as the grisliest part of the case, they cut his hands off and cut his head off. They buried those in one place and then the rest of his torso and everything was then buried in a separate part of the woodland. Then the day after the killing, the three men and Charlotte set about cleaning the car that they'd used. So she was in on it then? Yeah, so I don't know whether she knew that they were going to kill him. But, but she must have known he... at that point yeah. that they oh, yeah, killed they him. Oh yeah, they knew at that point, she knew. And the fact that he's, her husband has sent her a message saying, we've got him early yeah. on in the night, I feel like she's she way was... more into this than yeah. what it seems. She could have orchestrated the whole thing, or she was at least 
involved in the planning and probably wanted yeah. to take part and they said no not a woman's job we're going to take him <laughs> out to the forest they might have done they might we're going to take him out to the forest yeah. and we're going to finish him and maybe yeah. she got off on that she might have done filthy bitch <laughs> we don't know this but definite so she was a massive fan of the tv show csi which mm. i think to be fair a lot of people are it's a great tv show big show it is um, and basically she helped them and they all kind of used their knowledge that they'd got from that show to ensure that no incriminating evidence is left behind that could link them to the crime. So whilst they're absolutely awful people, this was an amazing idea. They wrapped their hands in sticky tape and dabbed all around the car. So any fibres, hairs, amazing. skin, everything. I'm going to use that method next time I clean. Yeah, do it when you clean. Just get sticky tape, send yeah. the tape whatever it is and just stick around everywhere. Um, they also, once they'd finished cleaning the car, sticky tape and everything, they then got a police fluorescent lamp what and the checked that there was nothing left behind. Where I did don't they know, that? but basically that's what they did. Maybe so they knew a corrupt copper. Possibly. You're loving all these theories that yeah. we don't know for definite. But that's it, they had this lamp, like a fluorescent lamp, and they went round, checked the whole car, checked there was nothing behind. So nothing in that car could link them. So looking for traces of blood, would that yep. have shown? Yeah. Anything. Anything, okay. So the aim of like dismembering him and separating like where they buried him and also cleaning the car was to ensure that his remains would then be found and then also they couldn't be well, linked to they him. might have been found, but they wouldn't have been able to identify exactly. him if they just found the, the sort of body, the mm -hmm. bulk of the body. Exactly. And Andrew was officially classed as missing five days after his death. So Andrew's girlfriend, Louise, like I mentioned before, she was really worried, but there wasn't very much in the way of evidence. Um, when researching this, I did wonder, like, how much the police would have been able to do in looking for Andrew, because I'm sure they did what they could, but as an adult, you're allowed to go missing if you yeah. want to. Um, I did a bit of sort of research into this, and in a study by the Missing People Missing People's Database, around two thirds of missing adults have chosen to leave. I think it's really common. I think it's people yeah. having a breakdown, potentially, walking out of their life. It's almost their last resort before suicide. I'm not going to kill myself, so I just run away. I need a break yeah. from whatever's going on. And like you say, they're an adult. It's their right to do that, to exactly. walk out of their family, their friends and their job and their whole life. Yeah, they can do that. Choice. And the and police know that. And that's the thing. He's just had a bereavement. A very close family member has just died and he's separated from his family. It's so understandable to think that he just needed some time alone. Yeah. Some time away. He did, Not that they knew it wasn't him, but he sent a text message saying yeah. he's gone to London. It's, you know, that's... They could have looked it. at where that message was sent from. Because yeah. maybe that was sent from the forest. Exactly. But, but then do they why have... Why would you? Do they have... I don't know if they have the legal options to then do anything with your phone records if there's no... There's no suspicion that a crime's been committed. Yeah, yeah, it's so difficult. So I looked at the gradings that the police use to determine the level of risk to someone who's gone missing. So high risk is when the risk posed is immediate. There are substantial grounds for believing that the subject's in danger. So either that's through their own vulnerability or they may have been a victim of a serious crime. So I suppose if the police turn up, someone's missing and there's blood everywhere, that's going to be... Or even this. a note saying, I'm going to throw myself off so and so Yeah, bridge. exactly. They're vulnerable. Um, or that they, the risk that is posed is immediate and the public are in danger. So if they know that someone's gone missing but they've got a gun in their life, you know, that sort of thing, that's a high risk. That person. makes sense. Medium risk is that the risk posed is likely to place the subject in danger. They may be a threat to themselves or others. So again, maybe, maybe, maybe. And maybe a less 
lesser level, exactly. so maybe they've not got a weapon or... But you know that they're angry. Yeah. Low risk is there is no apparent threat of danger to either the subject or the public. So I'm completely on understanding that the police, if they don't know what's actually happened, which they wouldn't know, mm. he's just had some messages from family and now he's sent a message saying he's gone to London, they may well have just classed him as low risk. And they and need to have a matrix to work from. Yeah, absolutely. They need to grade those missing people so they can prioritise. Yeah. So it makes sense. Exactly. And going missing is not an offence. So no. any adult over the age of 18 has the right to go missing if they choose to. The only time that you don't have the right to do that is if you're wanted for a crime, if you've been detained under the Mental Health Act, or if you're legally under the care of someone else. So I guess that's if you're a vulnerable adult. Or, or a child, obviously. Well, no, this I is think we're talking about adults, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I guess that's if you're vulnerable and you, you're under the care of someone. Because I've heard of cases where people have been reported missing, the police have then found them, that individual has then said, I went away because I wanted to, I'm mm-hmm. not going back, and the police have had to go back to the family who reported that person missing to say, we found them and they don't want to come back. Can you imagine yeah. receiving a message yeah. from the police like that? And there's the, I think it's called like a, it's like a safety check or something that the police do. You don't have to go to the police, the police can come to you and they will not tell anybody oh. where you are. Wow. As long as you're an adult who is not under those sorts of things. So if you've not yeah. been detained and that, or you're not under the care of someone else. So if you went missing and your mum and dad were like, we need to know where he is, the police legally will not tell wow. your parents. Well, they can tell your parents, like, yes, Mark is safe, yes, Mark is alive, and that is the limit. At least they can say that. Yeah, and so they can give you know. that privacy that you want to go yeah. missing. But your loved ones would know that you are safe, you just yeah. don't want to be found. Exactly, and that gives the person then the chance to, I guess, take some time alone and, and sort out their headspace, I guess. Yeah. As November rolled into December, although there were people who were missing Andrew, there was no news. Christmas came and went with no word from him, and the police continued to file appeals. An article from a local newspaper that I found, which was published on the 29th of December 2006, contained the following. And I've kind of just taken like bits from this, so it's not the whole article. They basically said, Police in Peterborough are growing increasingly concerned for a man who has been missing from home for more than a month. Um, he was last seen at 10pm on Friday the, no- the 17th of November. Police are particularly concerned as he has not been in contact with any friends or family over Christmas. His disappearance is out of character. His family need to know that he is safe and well. And they also put in that news article what he was wearing the last time he was seen and who to contact if anybody had any information. So why do you think they've now escalated the status of his... I don't think they've escalated it. I feel like... Well, they were they just would... continuing to do okay. this. So, so that's even for a low risk, yeah. they would still... So they've been putting out these appeals throughout the time that he was okay. missing and just hadn't heard anything. And now it's the 29th of December. I was going to say, maybe seen... it's the fact that it's out of character anyway. Yeah. It's now been a month and he's not been in contact over Christmas. I think it was the Christmas thing that really hit home because, okay, you might go missing, but you'd mention, you'd at least send your children a Christmas greeting or Depends a what mental state you're in, yeah. where you've gone. Absolutely. So you may now be wondering how we know what happened to Andrew Scanlon. Yes. Because obviously the trail ran cold really early on. The killers were using those really, actually quite sophisticated techniques to hide what they did. It boils down to two things. Pride and fucking stupidity. Oh. Yeah. They do sound a bit stupid. Honestly, the brothers have been described in things I've read. She's clever, the woman. 
What was she's her not name? That, she's not that clever. Charlotte. Charlotte. No, she's not that clever. No, the CSI stuff's good. Yeah, but just you wait. Okay. So the brothers were described as dumb and dumber. Right. Um, when they were together, they were just idiots. And on holiday in Greece, just days later, Mark decided to brag to his friend Mandy that the three of them had killed Andrew. Mandy was one of Linda's best friends, so the mum's best friends. Mm. She really didn't believe him at first. She was keeping a diary and she jotted down what he told her, but she really didn't believe him. But when she was on her way home from the holidays, so they were in Greece, when she was on the way back, she actually got a phone call from a detective who said, are you with Mark Bajan? And that's when she suddenly thought to herself, maybe what he said is a bit more true. So she had kept those diaries and she could basically put a report in of like everything that she'd said in her diaries, just in case she was called on to ask Very about something. Charlotte, not so clever after all, got really drunk and at her birthday party she told her friends about her role in cleaning up after the murder. She told them about how she'd come up with the idea of taping the car, how she'd helped dispose of her husband's bloody clothes. She was saying she was really proud of him. He's committed murder. He could do it again. I'm really proud of him for getting away with it. Because when you said she got drunk at a birthday party and, and told everyone about the affair. Well, yeah, but and told everyone anyway. I thought maybe that's a guilty conscience. You know, sometimes yeah. you get drunk and mm-hmm. you just kind of blurt everything out. So maybe I thought maybe that's that. But then if she's saying I'm really proud of my husband for killing mm-hmm. someone, she's obviously yeah. not guilty at all. It's just literally boasting. Yeah. And she'd actually been helping the police with their inquiries at this point and was pretending that she was trying to help and actually covering up the whole time. But then that's quite clever in a way because if she's helping... Yeah, but if she's helping the police, in inverted commas, she could be leading them down a false path away from her. Keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Yeah, Yeah, I don't think she's that stupid. We've all got pissed and said stuff we regret. Yeah, but don't brag about your husband killing someone and saying that you're proud of them and... But then also be fucking his friends. So. Yeah. Um, so the police ultimately like pieced everything together. And on the 3rd of January, this is ages later to be fair, it's mm. like nearly two months later, but 3rd of January, Mark, James, Jeff and Charlotte were arrested. They were charged the following weekend. And basically the whole case fell down around them when Jeff realised just how much the police knew. And he decided to tell them all the information he had in the hopes that they'd let him off a little bit or believe him. And he tried to say that he wasn't really involved and it was all the brothers and well I was there but I and I helped them dispose of the body, but I didn't do any of the killing. You've got no alternative if you if the police know that you were there and yeah. you, you know that you were actively involved, mm-hmm. then you're absolutely going to say, yeah, I was there, yeah. I admit to that, but I had no part in it. Exactly, and that's what he did. He then, there's um, some footage of him in handcuffs being led, like leading the police, sorry, but being taken out of the police car, and he leads the police to the murder site, which was um, Sandy Hill near Aldershot, so I don't know where that is. I think that's in Surrey, mm. and, somewhere like that. And basically, he led the police there and said, this is where it is. But I, you know, I just helped dispose of the body. Might be Hampshire. (laughs) Don't tell me off. We'll find out. So Andrew's body was found. So they found like the two separate graves and he was formally identified on the 10th of January. But pathologists were unable to give a definite cause of death because he'd been so badly beaten. Um, They did confirm though at one point he was stabbed in the chest. He would have, his body would have decomposed quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Even though it's winter and it's cold, 
his body would have decomposed quite a lot anyway, so that always makes it difficult to yeah. ascertain how he was murdered. Definitely. But pro- probably they knew that he was stabbed in the chest because there was still bone mm-hmm. present and probably that was chipped or something. Yeah, exactly. And because they've chopped him up, they can't say for definite what's happened to his like neck if they chopped his head off. But they'll be able to see how badly beaten he was and all of that. People chopping things. people's heads off really disturbs me. Yeah. Rightly so. Yeah. Of course it should. But it is whether they're dead or alive, just that's just horrible. Yeah. Just such a horrible, disrespectful thing to do. Mm. And I do think as well, like, how difficult it must be. It's not as easy as like chopping off a finger or something. Like that no. is a solid thing to do and it's yeah you, you're not doing it. that by accident or no. on a whim it would take it would take brute force to do that yeah well he was a tree surgeon wasn't he that's true mm. jeff woods just literally once he started talking he just couldn't stop talking he continued to try and say that he wasn't entirely involved but it was the brothers and this actually led to him fearing for his life because he knew that those brothers were like right you've just dobbed us up so and Dobbed us up. What's this over the way? I know. Well, that's it. Court officials actually heard rumours that Mark had taken out a contract on Jeff. Because I was going to say he would be protected because they would be convicted. Mm-hmm. And if the police let him kind of go or he had a short sentence, they're going to be in prison longer than him. But yeah, yeah they're going to get somebody on the outside after Or him. in the inside, like when they're all in prison. True. Someone with a shank. Yeah, you know. So. No, I've not been in prison. <laughs> I don't know. I've watched Bad Girls. Oh, that's, that's exactly the same. I thought it was. So the seven-week trial began on the 27th... Seven weeks? Yeah. Fucking hell. Began on the 27th of February 2008. When I was writing this, I put 2018, and then I was like, no. No. Not 2018. Um, at Cambridge Crown Court. The three defendants actually had to be kept separate because there were fears that they were going to start attacking each other. So they literally... Even the brothers? Yeah, even the brothers, other. because they were just horrible people and they might yeah. have turned on each other. The court heard how they'd made this pact to kill again after Andrew's death. So it's not even like they just did it once and that was it. So they'd made another pact to kill somebody else? Yeah, not necessarily who it was, but they were like, right, we're going to do this again. So they've got a real taste for this. They thing. really had. Charlotte was also on trial. She was on trial for two charges of assisting in the cover-up of a murder and of perverting the course of justice. So that's what she was then on trial mm. for. The other three were on trial for murder and that was it. Charlotte denied the charges and then was given like a separate trial. Okay. And ultimately, she was given 12 months in jail for this. 12? Oh, Jesus I know. Christ. So she was sentenced to the old So she, she'll be out now. She could be after us. Yeah. Well, she might be. About oh that. my gosh, she might be. Tell her that she's nice and clever again, Mark. No, she's not. <laughs> so her defence were basically trying to say she was doing her best. She'd helped the police, but she was so scared. And that's why she hadn't said anything. Do you know what? That is true. That could absolutely be the case. Mm. That she hadn't planned it. And there were some lies around some of the... Yeah. What the um, two brothers had said. It and could be. I and that she was under duress. It's that text message before where he says, we've got him. So it was if that was used as evidence, then yeah. fair enough. And the judge basically said in his sentencing remarks, you pretended that you knew nothing of the death of Andrew Scanlon. But then you boasted, albeit underneath oh, yeah. alcohol, at your own birthday party that your husband had killed a man and could do so if necessary. Can't have been under that much duress, though. Yeah, he also said it's hardly the behaviour of someone who is upset and sorry about the murder of a fellow human being. Yeah, yeah. Which she I knew she was completely involved. She yeah. wasn't there committing the actual act, but she was there. 
in presence yeah, of and mind. Afterwards as well, she knows that this has happened. If you're feeling this bad about it, go and say something. Even if you the do it anonymously. The police would have given her protection. Well, the police can give you protection or you do it anonymously. Yeah. The court were read extracts from that woman, Mandy. So she's the one who was on holiday with Mark and he yes. was talking about this. So she, they were read extracts from her diary where she'd recorded his like stupid confession. I love how she's written a diary of this. Yeah, so Bridget Jones on holiday in Greece. <laughs> Day three, someone uh, confessed to a murder. Yeah, in brackets. Ate two cakes today. Yeah. <laughs> two cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. I love Bridget Dane. She's so good, isn't she? Mm. So Mandy was like really brave to do this because like Woods, she knew that if she told the truth about what happened, this would put her life at risk. Um, and they were, were read up, um, extracts which said, James beat him with a baseball bat. Andrew was pleading for his life. We kept hitting him with the baseball bat, but he kept on hanging on and wouldn't die. And then Mark broke his neck. James' mate stabbed him, so Jeff. We put him in a shallow grave and covered him up. The killing had been planned for eight years. James and Jeff had gone back to move the body when they decided to chop up Andrew's head with an axe. She had said basically that she didn't believe him at first. She got more worried when she heard loads more details and then those fears were confirmed when this detective rung. I also think that's so specific, what she was told. Yeah. What she's recorded is so specific that when people lie, uh, pretend, trying to be the big man, they wouldn't go into that much detail. That's a weird thing to and say. And that's harrowing yeah. to say that he just wouldn't die. Yeah. So they were... The way that the brothers tried to defend themselves, they kind of did the opposite of Jeff. So they said it was Jeff's idea, not ours. So they said that they had planned to embarrass Andrew Scanlon by stripping him and leaving him somewhere random. So we're going to take him into the woods, strip him. To be fair, that's an amazing idea if you want to <laughs> get one over on someone. But you could, like, you could strip them naked and dump them in yeah. central London and be like, you've got to make your way home now. It? Like, stag dudes always do that. Yeah. They time to a lamppost or something. However, it's the taking handcuffs. That's a bit off. They tried to say that before they could carry out the prank, which is... To me, that's not even funny. A prank that went really fucking wrong and ended up with him being beaten yeah. to death. So before they Don't carry out the prank... Don't know like that. That's it. James said that Jeff brutally strangled Mr. Scanlon and forced the brothers to help him carry the body further into the forest. They were like, oh, we're doing the... We're playing a joke. Do you want to help us play a joke? And that was it. It's just the sort of yeah. bullshit that you get from kids when they're trying mm-hmm. to justify why they've yeah. done something. Trying to pass the blame to Yeah, just else. really childish. Exactly. Um, Mark was saying, oh, um, I needed to go to the toilet, but I need a dark area because I've got a condition that means I need to hide when I go for a wee. That is a condition, I think. What, you need to go in the woods? I don't yeah. think that's a condition. Yeah, true. It's just a stupid thing he's made up. He yeah. then said, while he was having a wee, he saw the silhouette of Woods and Scanlon struggling and soon realised that Scanlon was dead. He said, I was stunned. I was shocked. I approached and witnessed Mr. Woods killing my brother. I'm afraid my reactions left me. No, you're lying. Woods then, um, Jeff Woods claimed that Andrew was dead by the time he became involved and that the brothers had helped, forced him to help bury the body. So, so they're all just blaming each yeah, other. exactly. I think the fact that Mandy's diary entries are almost verbatim what he had told her, that is what we have to go on. And, and that's what the jury went on. It was also so harrowing, I guess, for her to hear, hear that she thought, I need to 
write this down and yeah, record it somewhere. Exactly. Because she knew at some point that that would be called upon. Yeah, and that's the thing, that it's not actually a lie. She's not made this up. Like, why would she make up, so, like you said, such specific things? She's not made this up at all. So after a 17-hour deliberation, the three were unanimously convicted of murder by the jury of seven women and five men. James, who was a factory worker, was described as the planner and ringleader. He was jailed for a minimum of 24 years. His brother Mark, who was a newspaper sales rep, was jailed for 22 years minimum. And Jeff Woods was jailed for 20 years minimum. Mr Justice Calvert Smith said at sentencing, this case has all the hallmarks of a planned killing by all three of you. Which I so agree really, with. they should have all got the same sentencing. I guess it depends, because if he's the one who's planned it, and okay, he's it's more premeditated more, from his part. Yeah, then, and they're yeah. the brothers, so maybe there's more reasoning behind them. They're, they're pretty decent sentences, actually. Yeah, sounds not. like justice was done. But yeah. what you know, what Mandy has recorded, you know, what she was told is that really stays with you. Mm. That you know, he just wouldn't die. I know, to, to hear that, you know, he kept hanging so on. what brute force are they having to use to yeah. finish him? And or probably they, they thought they'd had a good go and he was dead and then he's not quite dead and they yeah. realise that. I just think it's it's the stuff of horror movies. Yeah, and this poor man is like, I've got children, think of my children, let's end this, like, stop now, you know, let me go. And no, that was it. So there is a bit of an extra point to this, which I found really interesting. So Mandy, the woman with the diaries, she then was put into police protection okay. because obviously she's at risk now because she's just said about these guys. And she's now said that she's had to move 11 times. Her and her four children have had to move 11 times because Cambridge Constabulary have not been helping her enough. So she said things she like... She shouldn't be in Cambridge. Uh, she's in witness protection. She should be... Well, it might be that moved. that's the initial... Oh, maybe they've moved her and they look yeah, after her. Yeah, they might look after it. Um, she's now been taken out of witness protection because they've had to move her so many times. But she basically said, um, so this was like an article in the Daily Star, which I think is hilarious that it's in the Daily Star. I didn't know anybody even read that still. I used to read that. Did you? Yeah, as a kid. Oh, okay. Well, reading age of about seven required. So. Exactly. Um, basically, the police just have all these weird restrictions. And it's like, she basically said, I'm in danger from these actual murderers and if my children go play conkers in a play park, that can that contravenes witness protection, I'll get moved. And it's weird little rules like that. So she's That's actually weird. I never knew that. Them. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. She should be looking to see them, but I never knew there were such strict requirements of being in a yeah. programme like that. Exactly. And that sounds like that's quite very restrictive actually yeah. of a life. She's not, that's, she wouldn't have been leading anything. She's got four children. four children. Yeah. Children go off and play stupid. If you say to them you're not allowed to play conkers, or I guess because like, we had conkers um, banned at my school because they said it was too dangerous. Yeah. You're technically chucking a rock. But what the hell's that got to do with breaching their identity and their safety? So yeah, she's had to move 11 times and so now she's got this case going. Because and now she's out of the programme and actually probably safer. Well, probably. As a result. But then these guys could be out. Because this was um, in 2008, so 10 years ago, they were halfway through Jeff yeah. sentence. So. Can you imagine knowing that as well? I'd be on <laughs> countdown then, I'd be like, he's halfway through his sentence now, so I'm working 
yeah. down towards him being released exactly. every year that passes. Terrifying. That's a year close to him being out and perhaps seeking yeah. revenge. Exactly, terrifying. So there we go, that's that's the end of that case for the Very time. Very informative, but you enjoyed that? Yeah. It was really interesting. I, I did enjoy I wouldn't say I enjoyed it, I never enjoy them because they're harrowing, but it's really interesting and it's probably mm. the case that's affected me the most, weirdly, yeah. and we've covered some awful stuff. Mm. You know, like Jill Dando last week, Joanna Dennehy, the stuff that she did, but this one, there's just something awful. It's almost like, you know, just bullying this mm. innocent yeah, guy kidnapping him, taking him out to the woods, it's all premeditated, and then just having a horrific go at him, killing him, thinking you've killed him, he's not quite dead, we need to go again. Mm -hmm. And then going back sometime later to chop his head off, chop his hands off. And all this stemmed from is you were being an idiot who was trying to run a post office that's something you're not supposed to be doing anyway. It's not like he got into trouble for something he was more than allowed there to do. There must have been a, a history they must of have hated sibling yeah, rivalry there. Definitely, there must have been. Vying for the attention of respected mm-hmm. parents. Exactly. So, yeah. Don't forget to let us know what you think, guys. If you have any thoughts on the case, please do send us, you know, Facebook. There's a discussion thread or send us a message on Twitter or Instagram or an email. You know the drill. We'd just like to take a moment now to thank some of you who have been in touch with us over the past week. As ever, we love it when you guys reach out to us and send us a DM, um, comment on any of our Mm -hmm. posts or send us an email. So Bethan's got some thank yous that she would like to go through now. Yeah, so um, on iTunes, we've had a load more reviews and ratings, which is absolutely great. So thank you so much, everyone who's rated and reviewed us. So we've got especially Sweater Cutie Boy. We've got Baby Java, Phoebe Sophie, and Murderific. Um, obviously, a couple of people as well have mentioned sort of on iTunes and on Facebook as well about perhaps the sound quality could be better. So Agreed. Yeah, we do agree with you. It's probably, when, when again, quite echoey um, for this episode, episode five. However, yeah, we have just upgraded our mic. So yes. we've got it on order, and that should be with us in time for our episode six. So hopefully you really will hear an improvement. I really hope so. I really hope that everybody sees that we're really taking it seriously and yeah. we appreciate the feedback. Absolutely. Yeah. Anybody that reaches out, we, we really love you guys yeah. um, doing that and it helps us to make this the best podcast it can possibly be. And as I said last week, we're still in the infancy, mm-hmm. so hopefully it will get better and better yeah. and better. And I just wanted to say thank you as well because we were able to purchase the upgrade to our audio thanks to our patron supporters so yeah, we have some new patron supporters we've got lisa wright cherry drudge Coates, and natalie ross thank you so much for supporting us if anybody wants to support us on patreon then you can head over to our page there um, where we've got three different levels and mm-hmm. merchandise is winging its way to you three and there's all sorts of different things yeah. that we, we want to send out. If you want some, you've all probably seen it on um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You've got a great you, post on Instagram. I did have it. You called it a photo shoot, which I thought was a little bit over the top. It, it was not over the top. I presented that. Okay. <laughs> I had but a good seriously, time. we've got yeah. amazing merchandise. Honestly, I'm really proud of us because we have... We've, we've really made it in, and we want to make sure that if you do decide to support us on Patreon you get something really good in return and we, we really hope that you feel like you are getting something back we'd also like to say thank you to some people who reached out on Facebook recently as well so we've got Charlotte, Suzanne Clark um, Rebecca, Lorraine, Adam it's been great chatting to everybody as always we love talking to you all so really help, like enjoying that 
And finally, we just wanted to give a special mention to somebody called Lauren, who sent us a DM uh, very recently regarding one of our recent episodes. Yeah. Thank you so much for reaching out to us. We really, really appreciated you taking the time to do that. So thank you so much. Yeah, we really liked what you said and we really appreciated that you took that time. So thank you. So that's us for this week. We really hope you enjoyed the episode again. As always, let us know your thoughts and feelings and we will see you soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.